In a recent book, Rebecca Skloot recalls the day her quest began. She learned a name, Henrietta Lacks, and precious few other details. There were no other details to be had, said her professor, who could tell her only that Henrietta Lacks was a black woman treated at Johns Hopkins Hospital in 1951. Surely, Rebecca thought, there had to be more to the story of this woman whose tumor changed history. What she didn't know when she started that journey was that she had more details than almost every scientist who had ever used HeLa cells, certainly more details than I've ever known about the origin of those cells. Those of you who know me know that my original cell training is in cell biology. I've got a doctorate in it. And um, in all of those years of school, undergraduate and graduate, we learned about the cells. We learned what they did and about their genes and what they had done in scientific history, the breakthroughs that had happened because of those cells, all of the discoveries that had happened because of those cells. We learned all of those things. We never learned where the cells came from. In fact, in the work that I did in the lab, I used those cells, as do almost every scientist, as does almost every scientist who studies mammalian cells, especially human cells, because they're one of the very few human cell lines that, that scientists can use still to this day, 60 years later. They're one of the very few. And almost every cell biologist in the world uses those cells. And the book that, that I read, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, was captivating to me, partially because it was a well-told story, but partially because of my own history with those cells. And what I learned was disturbing to me. HeLa cells, you see, as Marion told us earlier in her reading, were the first immortal cell line. And what scientists mean by that are that it was the first cell line that did not stop dividing when put in a Petri dish. Most cells, you see, they die off after a small number of divisions. If scientists were lucky at that point, they could get cells to keep dividing for 20 or 30 divisions for a month or two. HeLa cells never did stop dividing. They have been dividing continuously about once a day in labs all over the world since 1951. Trillions and trillions upon trillions of these cells ha have existed in our world, and they keep dividing. If they're given the right amount of nutrients, they grow, they divide into two, each cell, once every day. And they've been doing that every day for almost 60 years. Which means that those cells that scientists all over the world work on, scientists in every cell biology lab, the cells that they work on, the cells that I worked on, that, that I tried to, to study lung proteins in, those cells can all ultimately be traced back to that little piece of cervical tumor that was taken from Henrietta Lacks's body by a doctor in a hospital in Baltimore in 1951. Growing those cells in the lab makes possible all sorts of experiments. It makes possible figuring out how many diseases 
work. It makes possible finding and testing medicines. And even the mass production of some vaccines requires HeLa cells. How many of you have ever had a polio vaccine? It's most people in this country. Um, certainly everyone who's been born since the 1960s in the United States has had a polio vaccine. Well, you have the fact that you are now immune to polio to thank, um, you, you have HeLa cells to thank for that fact. And so the eradication of polio in the United States was only made possible because these cells taken from Henrietta Lacks's tumor were able to produce polio virus in heretofore unfathomable numbers. And so labs all over the world that were trying to make polio vaccines could actually produce enough virus to make those vaccines. And that's why polio has been eradicated in the United States because of Henrietta Lacks's cells. But almost none of the scientists that use those cells, none of the scientists that use them for polio vaccines, none of the scientists that use them for experiments, none of the scientists that test medicines, that develop chemotherapies, know where those cells came from. And it wasn't until this book came out um, about a year ago that anyone really did. Henrietta Lacks grew up poor in rural Virginia, and she and her husband moved to the industrial slums of East Baltimore, where there was something of a chance to make a life, where there were jobs in the factories that were available to them, even if they were toxic factories that we, we now know today were detrimental to people's health. There were jobs there. There were no jobs in rural Virginia, so they moved to East Baltimore, where they raised five children. And when she was in her 30s, Henrietta Lacks developed cervical cancer. And the pain was so great that it drove her to seek treatment at the only hospital anywhere near her where treatment was available to poor black people in 1951, and that was the Johns Hopkins University Hospital in Baltimore. Well, Henrietta Lacks's cancer was aggressive, and she didn't live long after her diagnosis. Surgery and radiation were useless to prolong her life. But when the doctors did surgery and removed her tumor, they, they took it out and, and they put it in a Petri dish. And they asked her, they said, Mrs. Lacks, we would like you to give consent for us to use the tumor that we've taken for you in experiments. And she said, no, thank you. And when she died, they brought her husband in, and they said, we're very sorry for your loss, Mr. Lacks, but um, your, your wife's tumor could be very important in scientific research. Um, could you give us permission to use it in the lab? And he said, no, thank you. You see, they believe that um, he, he wanted just to move on. He wanted to mourn his wife and grieve her passing and not have to worry about bits of her being used in the lab. It was gruesome to him, the thought that scientists might be experimenting on bits of his wife. So he said, no, thank you, and went on his way, buried his wife, and lived his life the best he could. He did not know until the mid-1970s that they used her tumor anyway. 
he did not know that millions of people around the world were benefiting from scientists' use of Henrietta Lacks's cells. He certainly did not know that billions of dollars were being made growing those cells in pharmaceutical companies and selling them to cell biology labs all over the country. Now, there's no patent on the cells, which is something we can be thankful for, I guess, but companies make billions of dollars every year selling those cells to labs in little frozen vials, a couple of million at a time. The Lacks family knew none of this, and they still live in poverty in Baltimore. When Rebecca Sklute found them, they were unwilling to talk to her at first because she was just another educated, middle-class white lady trying to invade their privacy, or so they thought. One in a long string of educated, middle-class white folks who had sought to invade their privacy over 30 and 40 years. Rebecca Sklute found out after developing a relationship with that family that most of the people in the Lacks family were too poor to even afford health insurance. They were too poor to afford the insurance that would afford them access to the scientific discoveries that their mother's tumor had made possible. And so I was left, after reading this book, stunned, thinking, what is the proper ethical response of a scientist who uses these cells? What is the proper response of a scientist who depended on these cells to do good research, to do necessary research, to do research that might actually save people's lives once that scientists knew the story of where those cells came from? How do we square the desire to use this powerful tool in science with the clear ethical breaches that were involved in its creation? The clear and unmistakable disrespect that scientists of the time showed for Henrietta Lacks and, his, and her family. What, then, I asked, was the ethical response that millions of people whose lives have been saved because Henrietta Lacks was taken advantage of? What should the ethical response be of all of those people? And it's a tough question. She was taken advantage of her cells were used and grown without her consent, and millions upon millions of people's lives have been saved. And so I, I determined that what I owe Henrietta Lacks and her family, and what we owe Henrietta Lacks and her family, is at the very least to tell her story, to understand that there was a woman who lived and died, who had children who missed their mother, who had a husband who mourned the passing of his young wife to make this cell line possible, to make those discoveries possible, to make your polio-free lives possible. There was a woman who lived. And that woman was the victim of power structures in our society that discounted what she had to say. They ignored the fact that According to every scientific ethical principle out there, people 
should have control and say over what happens to their body because, well, the cells were still growing in the lab after all. But telling her story is important. I believe that it's vital for us to honor Henrietta Lacks's contribution to science, a contribution that she made even without her knowledge, even without her consent. I think it's important in her memory to look at all of our lives and the things that we do, the things that we do to help others, and to think about whose lives had to be lost to make everything that we do possible. I don't ask you to ask that question of yourself and your lives to make you sad. I don't ask you to ask that question of yourselves and your lives to make you feel guilty. I ask you to ask that question of yourselves and your lives so that the things that we do can be done with purpose, that the things that we do can be done with intention, that the things that we do can be done to honor the many lives that have gone before us, that have made ours possible. Henrietta Lacks's is just one of them. There are many people whose stories remain untold, people whose names we do not know, people whose contributions to our world are unfathomable, people who have made our lives and our well-being possible, people who have made the things that we do every day possible, and yet we have no idea because those stories are untold. HeLa cells, the cells grown from the tumor taken from Henrietta Lacks's body, are an immortal cell line. Scientists use that word to mean that they divide again and again. They don't die. They haven't died since 1951. But immortality has a meaning to those of us who are not cell biologists that's quite separate from that. Immortality is something which no human can actually attain, even if cells taken from our body might. And so we pause today to ponder that word. I think it's important to, to consider that though the cells, the HeLa cells derived from her cancer, grown, grow in labs all over the world, they divide once a day, every day in labs all over the world. Henrietta Lacks is not still alive. But telling her story makes her immortal in ways that using her cells cannot. Honoring who she was and how she lived and the legacy that she left behind makes her present in our lives in a way that knowing that your polio virus was grown in her cells cannot. Because the story is about her as a person and not some cells that don't have consciousness, that live in a dish that scientists poke and prod and add medicine to. And so today I ask who else needs to become immortal? Who else's stories need to be told? Who else has been forgotten by history? 
Who else's names have been reduced to initials? Initials that are long since detached from their original owner. Who else's names are, if they're lucky, reduced to words inscribed on a plaque on the side of the road somewhere, or engraved in a tombstone somewhere? Who else's lives have contributed to ours in ways that we are just beginning to fathom? Because telling their stories, keeping them present, keeping them here with us, keeping them alive in the intentions of everything we do, makes them immortal in a way that no scientist can do, in a way that no cell culture lab can do, in a way that no doctor acting unethically in a hospital in Baltimore can do. We honor Henrietta Lacks today and all of those whose names remain silent in lives all over the world. Blessed be. In a moment, we will receive our offering.